The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. It is your good friend and host here on the Thanksgiving evening edition of the Boneyard. Many of you will be listening to this on Friday mornings. It'll be after midnight before I finish. But I could not wait to share my exuberance for recapturing the golden egg. Yes, I called it, but that's not the point. Here's the deal. It's big. Anytime we beat Ole Miss in anything from college football to tiddlywinks to Chinese checkers, it's a big, big deal. And there were many people this year, some within the media, some within our own fan base, that Ole Miss is leaving us behind. And lo and behold, not only did we beat them, we finished the year with the same record and beat them in the SEC standings to finish third in the SEC West. How about them apples, Right? We talked about how important it was to get the egg back this year. It's the beginning of the year. I said, you know what? If we go 8-4 and four and get the egg back, it's a good year. You win the bowl game, got a chance to end the year on a three-game winning streak. Now, a few disclaimers. We did not play well. We did not play well. Defensively, we played outstanding. Offensively, it was, it was difficult to watch for much of the game. I submit to you, Will Rogers, as much as I love the guy, probably the worst game by a winning Egg Bowl Bulldog quarterback of all time. Of all time. He did make some big plays for us, but he, he didn't have a good game at all. Not going to sit here and say, hey, you know, all's well that ends well. He didn't play well. Uh, one of his worst games in the uniform. And in the second half, the conditions may have had something to do with it. But, man, it's like the kid played so tight. And I love that guy, man. I do. But we're going to call it as we see it. Will doesn't play well. But despite that, we're able to do it. It's a team game. Defense was outstanding. Special teams, outstanding. Talked about that in the show earlier this week. That could play a factor. I thought the Bulldog punters had their best game of the year. The, the night we absolutely had to have it. So, man, it feels so good to win. Now we ain't got to listen to any of that crap for 365 days. And next year we'll be back in Stark Vegas I believe we'll be a better team. You never know who's going to be coaching at Oxford next year. You just don't know. But all I know is tonight we are the Egg Bowl champions. We are in line to go to a better bowl game than Ole Miss, who finished the year losing four of five, pretty close to what I projected beginning of the year. I think most of us said that was a front-loaded schedule. You get through those first few uh, couple months of of the schedule, and they have to play some real SEC competition. I think Ole Miss also benefited from the league being down. But all that said, 
all that trash and all that yip-a-yap and everything else, Ole Miss leaving Mississippi State behind. And now here we sit with the golden egg in our possession headed to a better bowl game. How about that? Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I've been there a couple times here in the last week. I was there. Matter of fact, uh, let me think what day it is. It's Thursday. I was there Wednesday night, and I had the chicken wings. Now, one of the things that I like about chicken wings, especially at a place like Bulldog Burger Company, is how well they're sauced. That makes all the difference, man. It does. There are a lot of people that, that cook wings, don't know how to sauce them. You get an ample amount of sauce on chicken wings, whether you get them as an appetizer or an entree. Very filling. A lot of people just roll some drumettes out there and call it a day, and they're fried to such a crisp. I mean, you, you hold them in your hand, it's like holding a piece of chalk. That's not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. Go by and have those wings. Have a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer and get a dessert to go. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and go check it out today. All right. Let's break it down. Listen, this was not – this was a gutsy game for Mississippi State, but a masterpiece it was not. Now, in the end, you win these games – and you're able to kind of gloss over some of those mistakes. And we made a bunch of them. One thing that I will say is Ole Miss has been excellent this year in the first quarter. And if you look at the games they've struggled, games they didn't dominate the first quarter. And State absolutely played lights out defensively against this team. They go down that first drive and put that field goal up there. And you're thinking, okay. And I really felt like, and I think many of you felt the same way, we came out and played a little tight. And you give up that opening field goal, and you're thinking, you know what? That's a win right there. And they started stacking some field goals. And I told my wife, I said, field goals are not going to be enough to win this game. They're going to have to finish game, finish drives to put us away. And it came back to haunt them. All right, so here we go. Ole Miss won the toss, elected to receive. I don't blame them. I was thinking the same thing, that with the weather coming, you'd like to have drier conditions because you never know how that second half is going to look. And we, as we saw, pretty rough. All right, so we kick it out of bounds. Uh and at that point, you're thinking, oh, special teams again. That's the only mistake we made. Outside of that, special teams, absolutely outstanding. All right, Dart is complete to Malik Heath for 28 yards. And as an astute listener pointed out to me, Malik Heath now the loser of three consecutive Egg Bowls. All right, so gets it out to the State 37. They, it's, it's scripted out, right? It, it absolutely is. They go right to work. They go to Dayton Wade for eight yards. Makes a second and two. Uh, deep to Jonathan Mingo for 14. Decam with a nice tackle there, first and 10 at our 15, and this is where things got a little more difficult. Darts complete to Jordan Watkins, but Jalen Green, really nice tackle. I thought Jalen had a good game for us, too. They elect to run Jackson. Darty gets nothing. So third and six from our 11, they swing it out to Jonathan Mingo, and we are there like we knew what was coming. Ends up being a three-yard loss, makes it fourth to nine, because you know if they had anything there with the juice early on, they probably go for it. But instead, they get the loss on third down, makes it fourth to nine. They kick a field goal. It's good. It's 3 nothing, And again, that felt like a win considering how quickly they went down the field. Jonathan Cruz, who had a good game for Ole Miss, kicks off to the MSU 12 because they're trying to keep it away from Tulu, which is smart. But Xavier Thomas, a very capable return man in his own right, brings it out to the 39-yard line, 27 yards on the return. And State goes right to work. And right here, you're thinking, you know what? We know something you guys don't. 
Rodgers complete the ducking for two. On second and eight, we run Marks for one. Big third and seven early, and we hit Jaden Wiley. And we needed Jaden to have a good game. Didn't have a great game, but he was very productive when he had opportunities. First and ten out near midfield now. We hit Austin Williams for six. Second and four, Woody runs for seven right at the heart of that defense. First and ten at the Ole Miss 35. We hit two Lou for 20. And right here you're thinking we're fixing to take the lead. This is a great one, too. This was so well executed, so well designed. It's basically a little bubble. It's a numbers game out there on the perimeter. And Tulu, you give him a block, it's going to be a big play. And it was. 20 yards down to the Ole Miss 15-yard line. We won Woody here. Gives, gives us five yards. We're incomplete to Jaden and uh, should have been – probably should have been touchdown here. I think we'd all agree here. Probably should have been touchdown here. We, we miss him. It's like Will didn't see him right away, and we kind of threw it late and kind of forced it, so it's off Jaden's hands and incomplete. We go back to Jaden, who gets us nine down to the Ole Miss one. I thought he was going to get in. They showed the replay. It looks like he's a little bit short. We hand it to Woody. It's a touchdown, and the extra point is good. It is now a 7-3 Bulldog lead. Rabin and kicks off. Ole Miss seven. They return at 17 yards, so out short of the 25. Defense again. You know, defense – Kind of caught on their heels a little bit that first drive. Stiffened in the red zone. We kind of pick up where we left off. It's a three and out here. Zach Evans runs for one-yard loss. Jaden Crumity, what a difference maker that guy is. It really is. It makes you wonder maybe if we'd had him against LSU or Kentucky, right? Jackson Dart then uh, complete to Jalen Robinson for just three. Makes it another third and long, third and eight here. They go to Jonathan Mingo, and Jalen Green says, Hello, Jonathan Mingo. I thought this was a tone-setting hit. I thought it showed the Bulldog defense was there to play. And I'll be honest with you, I'll just call it as I see it. The Ole Miss wide receivers are soft. They are soft. And you you saw it in the game. They do not like to be touched. Malik Heath included. They don't like to be touched. They want to get out there in space and tuck it and go and kind of dive at people's feet, run out of bounds. They're soft. And I thought Jalen Green punched John Domingo in the mouth right here and kind of let him know – it's going to be a ball game. There were a couple big plays later. John Domingo heard footsteps and dropped the football. A couple big, big drops. So a good punt here from uh, uh, Frazier Mason, 50 yards to the State 24. And this is where the offensive malaise kind of kicks in for State and kind of hangs around for a quarter. You know, we're, we're midway through the first quarter, and it seems like it took us forever to get going again. Three and out here for State. Dylan Johnson runs for two. We're incomplete to Rara. And then Will Rogers is sacked, and Will rolled right into the pressure. That was If you step up there, you're going to have a receiver uncover. But instead, it's a 12-yard loss. Makes it fourth and 20. And then George – George – George Jeropoulos? I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's going to graduate. It's George Jeropoulos. 56 yards to the Ole Miss 30. Great punt there. The guy tries to grab it to prevent an even longer punt, and it's a loss of three yards on the return. So, again, we had to get a big punt there. We did. So, great job, George. All right, first and 10, Ole Miss puts a drive together here. First and 10 from our 27. Uh, j- this is probably the most productive drive for uh, Quinshawn Judkins, who we did a really good job against tonight. And the kid is fantastic, too. And I, and I say that to really kind of tip the cap to the Bulldog defense. It's not like this is a guy that uh, you just had one big game this year. He has done it against everybody. Big game against Arkansas last week, had a good game against Alabama, didn't have a good game against Mississippi State. 
He runs for 10 at the middle here. They give it back to him for eight, and they go to him for two. So it's back-to-back first downs on three plays. First and 10 from the Ole Miss 47. They swing it out to Mango for three. That gets it to midfield. Jed Johnson with a nice tackle there in open field. Second and seven, complete to Malik Heath for five. Third and two, they find Jordan Watkins for seven. First and 10 to the MSU 38, Judkins runs for a loss of two yards on the play. There's a bunch more of that coming. Second and 12, he hits Dayton Wade for 22. This is that little push pass they did, bringing behind the formation, and I was really disappointed when it happened. They run that play every single game. Every game that I've seen, they've run that play. They use him to get him out on the edge. We've tried to use it some. It had been nearly as successful for us. But they run that play regularly, and, and we just felt like we'd never seen it before. So they gash us there. You get in the red zone, State stiffens up again. Red zone defense. It's where the games are won or lost. Judkins runs for a one-yard loss. Backs it up to the 19. Second 11. Judkins runs off left side for five. Third and six. Complete to Dayton Wade, and it's a one-yard loss. Another TFL. Bulldogs quick to the spot. Zach Arnett did an amazing job tonight. Field goal attempt from Cruz is good. State still holds on to the lead here. It's now 7-6 as we get into the final minute and a half of the first quarter. State takes over at the 35. Xavier Thomas, again, a good return here. Received it at 15, run 20 yards out to the 35. And I kept thinking, if they're going to give us the ball at 35, we're going to have a pretty good night. All right, Dylan Johnson runs in the middle for three, and then Will Rogers is sacked for a loss of 22. And, and just absolutely incredible awareness here from Tulu Griffin. When this happened, I turned to my son, Ani. I said, that may be the play that saves the day in the end. Otis Reese is about to scoop and score. And because he was, he kind of measured his steps a little bit. If he just jumps on the football there, we're probably having a different conversation today. But I'm not being critical of him. That's what, he, that's what your coach to do. Out in the open field, you try to scoop and score. But Tulu Griffin, not trying to scoop and score. He's just trying to recover and give us a chance to punt. That's exactly what he does. He jumps on it. It was a huge play. Now, how many people give up on that play or just go try to go make a tackle? But Tulu's like, nah, I'm getting the football. And he did. Huge play. False start then on Steven Lasoya. Backs it up even further. Crazy. Third and 29 now from, uh, from the 16-yard line. That runs out the quarter. And, again, you get to the end of the quarter, and things don't feel great, but you look up at the scoreboard, and it's 7-6. to six. And, yeah, we're back up against it right now. But, again, Ole Miss, a first and second quarter team. We have now survived the first quarter with the lead, which, I, again, I think was a harbinger of things to come for Ole Miss. You didn't get the big start. You had to have the big start with the weather coming. They didn't get it. All right, third and 34. Dylan Johnson runs the draw for 11 yards, and really that's just to give us a little more room to punt. And Archer Trafford, a 39-yard punt. Uh, And, again, we get them back on their side of the field. Wasn't the best punt of the night, but effective for sure. But I was a little worried here. You know, I thought, you know what? Decent field position for these guys. First and 10th, they're on 41. Dart is then complete Domingo for eight yards. Brings up second and two. It's a big play to Malik Heath. First and 10 from our 34, incomplete Domingo. I believe that was a drop. Second and 10, the dart tries to run it, nothing there. Jed Johnson, a nice tackle there. Just kind of twists him down. Third and 10 from our 34, and they, they give it to Evans, who gets just three yards. Fourth and seven, field goal is good. Ole Miss takes their first lead at nine to seven. Kickoff is a touchback. State's got plenty of time here. But again, we're kind of in this offensive malaise. We're complete to Rara for five, makes a manageable second five. We go back to Rufus Harvey, who leans forward for the first down. 
That moves the chains. Now, first and 10 from the MSU 36. We go to Woody for three, back to Woody for one, makes it a third and medium at third and six. We're incomplete to uh, Tulu and uh, Tavius Robinson all in Will's face right here. And then George, dare I say it, George Geropoulos, punts 55 yards down to the Ole Miss five. What a great job by the Bulldog punters. Again, we're going to reiterate that because when we had to have them, we had them. All right, first and 10 from the Ole Miss five. We have them backed up here, chance to flip the field. Uh, Judkins in runs for two. And then Dart is incomplete, broken up by Emmanuel Forbes. Another physical play. Then incomplete to Malik Heath, brings up a punt, 45 yards. And Xavier Thomas returns 13 yards to the Ole Miss 39. They flag us for a little block in the back. And there was all this back and forth about where the ball should be. And, you know, they finally get it straight. I don't know if it was actually correct or not. All right, state stakes over here. And this was one of those drives here where I said, you know what, we're going to lose. We're going to lose because they give us the, an offsides penalty. It now makes it first and five at their 50. You think, at the very least, we ought to be able to get a field goal attempt. Guys, we did not gain a yard on this possession. And this is when I got a little bit worried. I kept thinking, we got to hang in here and tread a little bit of water. But when they give you, when you finally win the battlefield position, you got to cash it. We didn't. So we're incomplete to, uh, to Woody. They batted down by Katie Hill. Second and five, we're incomplete to Jaden Wiley, broken up by Troy Brown. Third and five, we're incomplete to Tulu, broken up by J.J. Pegues. And he was open. I don't know, think we let him clear enough, but uh, they get three hands on the football here. Not good. George with a 38-yard punt. It's fair caught at the 12-yard line. So, again, we've got almost backed up inside their 20. You feel like we get a stop here, we got a good chance here to get good field position. We do. Dart runs right side for seven. They go back to Zach Evans. It's a two-yard loss. Again, a TFL, Tyra Sweet, an absolute monster tonight. Thought Judd Johnson had a big ball game. Third and five, Jackson Dart. Then complete to Watkins for four. Huge tackle by Buki Watson here. Makes it fourth and one. They act like they're going to go. We all know they're not. Why would you do that in a 9-7 ball game backed up at your own 21-yard line? They burn a timeout. They punt. Fair caught at the State 41. So, again, we're in pretty good shape here. And we blow it. Absolutely blow it. And this is one of those moments where you start thinking, it's just not our night. It's, I wanted to keep be hopeful, but I was like, you know what? We're just not able to get this thing done. All right, complete Justin Robinson for 11, and we get a first down there, and you're thinking, okay, all right, all right, we're across midfield. We figured some things out. We're incomplete to Justin Robinson, and then Will Rogers is picked, and uh, we're flushed there and just throw the football away. There was no chance of completing that pass to Tulu. Otis Reese is two or three yards in front of him. There was zero chance of us completing that pass, and Will blew it. He did. Simple as that. I can't say it any better. Will will tell you the same. You got to throw that ball away. It's just second down. You don't have to force that. Just throw it away. Trying to do a little bit too much there. They take over at their own 36, put together a decent drive here. Jackson Dart complete to Jordan Watkins for four. They run Judkins left side for three. Then it's complete to Judkins for four. Now it's a first and ten. That was a big third and three there. Chance for us to get off the field, couldn't do it. All right, first and ten. Dart then runs up the middle for nine, which brought up a very, very easy. It was, I don't even think it was a full yard. They get to Judkins, who moves the chains. Uh, first and ten, it's complete to Mingo. Out in space, of course. Uh, first and 10 at the State 26. Dart runs right side for three. 
Second seven, it's incomplete to Wade, but Cam Young, Randy Charlton all in his face there, really forced an errant throw. Uh, third and seven, Judkins runs off right side for 17, and I hope this kid transfers. This kid is really, really good. Sets up a first and goal situation. Judkins runs up the middle for a yard, runs off right side for a yard, and the Bulldogs just standing tall here and say, you know what, we're not going to yield. Pass is then complete to Jordan Watkins, and Decam with a great tackle and open field. Makes it fourth and one from the MSU one. They end up taking time out there. You knew they were going to go for it, and you don't blame them. A little bit of a trick play here. They line up Pegues is basically an H-back, a former tight end. They roll right. He's wide open there. You got us. We're all pinching there looking for the halfback dive, and we've been so successful, actually, especially on those middle runs. You got to sell out and just kind of hope you get there. We didn't, and they got us. Good play call. Extra point is good. It's now 16-7. It's now a two-score game. And I'm sitting here thinking, hey, at least we have time. Let's at least go down and get a field goal because we get the ball first coming out of the half. You got a chance here to get even or pull ahead. You got to get something on this drive. And they left too much time on the clock, and Will Rogers made them pay. Rogers then completed Dylan Johnson for six. Will tucks it and goes, and a lot of times that's there. He was a little more assertive with that tonight. Later in the game, maybe a little bit too assertive. But he runs here for eight, moves the chains. First and 10 at our 39. We hit Jaden Wiley on a crossing route. End up burning time out here. Had three of them to work with. Rodgers is then complete to DJ for six. Now we're out across midfield uh, for a first down. Dylan Johnson runs up the middle for nothing. We end up burning time out. Just got one left here. Second and 10. Rodgers is complete to ducking for 15, and I thought he got the most he could have gotten out of that play. They didn't have short zone help there. We're able to run the crossing route all the way across because everybody on the left side vacated. And so when Caleb crosses all the way across the formation, there's nobody to pick him up in his own. It's good play designed by Mike Leach. Well executed by Will Rodgers and Caleb Ducking. All right, we give it to Dylan. Again, I didn't like this at all. I didn't like it. We had, we had to burn the timeout here. I, I don't know what we're trying to do here, but just throw this thing away. It's first down. You know, the time is more important than the down at this distance. All right, so we end up having to burn our final timeout right here. I'm thinking, you know, we're going to drive all the way down here. We're going to blow this. We're going we're gonna to end this opportunity with no points. That's how I felt. Admit it, many of you did too. Second five, we're complete short right to Dylan for two. He gets out of bounds, makes a very manageable third and three. We hit DJ uh, for six to move the chains into the red zone. We spike it. Second and 10, Will Rogers is incomplete to Jaden Wiley. It's third and 10, and I'm thinking, you know what? If we get tackled in bounds here, the half is going to run out. Let's just kick it. That's what I've been thinking. Let's just kick it. Had we kicked it, we'd probably lose the game. Right? The way things played out. This was a very significant score right before the half. You find Tulu Griffin, and I still don't understand how they let him get open. I have no clue how you let that guy get open. And he backs into the end zone. It's a touchdown. Extra point is good. We squib it down the field. They return it and um, force him to run another play, and Zach Evans runs the middle. And that's the half. And it's 16-14, and as bad as we played on offense, we're down two with the ball coming out of the half. It's like, you look, we've had two just absolutely ridiculous turnovers. And we're down two because of our defense. Defense was outstanding. I will accept no Zach Arnett slander. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. 
get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's get to the second half here. This is where a lot of the juice happened, right? All right, so we get the ball coming out. It is a touchback, first and 10 from our 25. We immediately find Rufus, who gets us eight. We go to uh, Woody, who gets us one. And then next thing you know, huge play on third and one. We give it to Woody, who gets loose for 32 yards, down to the Ole Miss 34. Looks like he pulled a quad on the play. And I tell you this, Woody Marks is a warrior. And he demonstrated it again tonight, because give the Ole Miss defense some credit. They hit with bad intentions. They're a very physical group. It's not just the running game. There is a new identity up there, and maybe there'll be a new one next year. But uh, these guys definitely play a good brand of football. All right, first and 10, uh, Will Rogers then runs off left side for eight and gets out of bounds, and then they bring it back for a holding call. I haven't gone back and seen the game, so I don't know if Q held or not. But uh, I was glad to see a little more assertive tucking and running from Will Rogers early in this ballgame. I didn't agree with the decision late. We'll get to that. But on this particular play, I thought it was good. you got to keep him honest. Nobody is game planning for Will Rogers running the football, and he's not an adept runner. But he is a guy, when things break down like this, he can get you five or six and get out of bounds. All right, first and 20. 
It's complete to Dylan Johnson, who ran through people. Dylan Johnson and Woody Marks, we talk about having an identity. Those guys are very much Mississippi State Bulldogs. All right, second and two, it's a false start against us. And, again, this is one of those scenarios that just kind of plays out. It's like it's just not our night. We're going down, and we're fixing to score. We get a false start on Reese. It's second and two. Now it's second and seven. We don't gain a a yard the rest of this drive. It's nuts, and we have three more downs to go. Second and seven, we're incomplete uh, to Justin Robinson, Cedric Johnson in Will's face. Third and seven, we're incomplete to Dylan Johnson across the middle. We end up taking a timeout. Decided to go for it. Had to burn the timeout here. This could have been catastrophic later. You burn the timeout there, and um, this, again, this basically is a turnover. And it's pretty crazy. You know, Will gets outside, flushed left, and Rufus and Scooby, I believe it's who it was right there, they're kind of caught in no man's land. Do I uncover or do I block? What do we do here? And so they ultimately block. Will has to go. There's nobody to throw the football to. And Will basically runs out of bounds after a three-yard game. Just one of those things that happens in a game. I didn't like our play call here either, to be quite honest with you. Ole Miss gets the ball back, and the defense says, you know what? Offense will eventually get caught up, but you're not. And in this second half, the Mississippi State Bulldog defense played as well as they played at any point in this season. All right, first and 10, they're on 28. Jackson Dart is sacked by Tyrus Wheat, who was absolutely outstanding. They got that freshman Pettis, they're really high on. Tyrus Wheat made him look really, really young tonight. Second and 17, Dart back to pass again, hits Watkins for six. We'll take that. Malik Heath down with some cramps on the plate. I don't know if I mentioned it earlier. Malik Heath has lost three consecutive egg bowls. All right, third and 11, Dart is then incomplete to Jonathan Mingo. I believe this also was a drop. I don't know how Ole Miss scored it. I'm sure they would have just scored an incompletion. But Jonathan Mingo had at least three drops tonight. Hurried by Cameron Young here. Cameron Young had a really stupid penalty later. We'll, we'll address that too. All right, fourth and 11, good punt here. But Xavier Thomas had a good return too. 27 yards across midfield to the Ole Miss 46. You're thinking, okay, this is a chance for us. Go get the lead. We don't. We actually go three and out. Special teams kind of bells us out here. Rodgers is incomplete to Austin Williams. They give him a pass breakup here. I don't believe that was a pass breakup. I think this is the one that Austin Williams dropped, and Will put a little bit too much air under it. And if they gave that kid a pass breakup on that play, then we need to go back and and audit the entire thing the entire year before we go vote for all SEC stuff. All right, second and ten. Rodgers is complete to Wiley for eight. You got a manageable third and two here. The next thing you know, it's a sack. I don't don't know what we're doing here. I I don't know what we're doing on third and two. what, What are we doing? What are we doing? I don't get it at all. They're showing blitz here. I just didn't agree with it at all. And maybe it's Will, maybe maybe checked out of a play. I don't don't know. I don't know the sequence of events here. All I know is it ends up with a 14-yard loss from Mississippi State. We end up punting. Again, special teams comes up huge. Down at the Ole Miss four. So you're winning the battle of field position in a one-score game, and you feel like at some point something will break loose for you and maybe you can take the lead. Ultimately, it did because of the play of our defense. All right, first and 10, Dart is complete to Mingo for a one-yard loss. Manuel Forbes injured on the play. It looked like he got his wrist and forearm stuck between two Bulldog helmets as they were going to make the tackle. No update. Second 11, Dart is then complete to Malik Heath for 10, Asias Ferg's playing a little cushion there. I thought it was a good move to put Ferg on Malik. They don't really like each other. Thought he could have gotten Malik's head a little bit. 
All right, third and one, Zach Evans runs off left side, four-yard loss. And again, Ty Wheat just basically making money tonight. Fourth and five, a nice punt. Xavier Thomas returns 13 yards. They flag us for running into the kicker. And we did. But the acting job by Frazier Mason should be nominated for an Academy Award. I mean, kids, you're not that soft. I understand you're trying to get a call there, but come on. All right, they get another punt, and uh, 45 yards, we get no return out of it. So it's basically a differential here of, uh, you know, what is it, uh, 15 yards? Yeah, 15 yards. So the penalty ultimately cost us 15 yards rather than the five. We just didn't have to give the ball back to them. And so you're thinking, okay, out near midfield, and what happens? Well, Rodgers is sacked and fumbles, and they recover. And at that point, I think we all felt that all was lost. Another bad turnover. This one, this one, I don't know if Will just didn't feel it, but offensive line's got to be better there too. We, we got whipped on that play all the way around. Ole Miss uh, drive starts with 7.33 to go in the third quarter. First and 10 from our 36. Judkins runs off the uh, in the middle for three. Then they run him back in the middle, and then there is a penalty on us for unnecessary roughness on Cameron Young. And I'm going to say this right now. I love Cameron Young. Kids going to play football for a long time. It's a very, very selfish, selfish penalty. He had Broker out there, and he whipped him to play before, and they were woofing after the first down play. And then the second down play, they're out there again, and it's over. It's over, and Cam goes up and shoves him down. It's a wonder it didn't cost us the ball game. Honest to goodness, it is a wonder it didn't cost us the ball game. It's a critical juncture in the game. It's a high-tempo area. The emotions are high. They've had a turnover. They're feeling like this is the moment for us to get it back to two scores. But instead, our defense is like, nah, not today. First and 10 from our 14-yard line is complete to Mingo for a one-yard loss. I think I've said that over and over and over again. That's what happens when you're soft. Second 11, uh, Judkins in runs off right side for 10, down to the MSU 5. Third and 1. They give it to Judkins, and it's a one-yard loss. Buki Watson absolutely destroyed this play. Brings up a fourth and two. You know they're going to go for it. I would have gone for it, too. The way our offense is playing at the time, the way their defense is playing at the time, you absolutely go for it here, whether you make it or not. you got to go because you're going to have to make state drive length of the field. They go for it. Try to swing it out right. Jalen nearly picks it off. It's okay either way. It's a turnover on downs. But this could have been absolutely devastating for Mississippi State. But the defense refused to yield. We take over at our six. We go to Woody for nothing. Again, he ran hard, just nothing there. Second 10, we're complete to Woody for seven. Nice run here, too, and kind of delivered the blow at the end of it. Makes it a third and three. We find Rufus for seven. And at this point, I'm already starting to feel a little bit better because I'm thinking if we can just get two first downs on this drive and punt, and kind of flipped the field a little bit, we got a chance. Again, it's still a one-score game. So first and ten, we give it to Woody for three. Second seven, we get to Rufus for six, comes up a yard short. Third and one, we go to Woody for two, and then they flag on Miss for offsides on top of it. So it's a first down, no play, and Woody is down. And again, it just shows you how tough this kid is. He just kept coming back, kept coming back. That That kid is owed a debt of gratitude from every Mississippi State football fan tonight. All right, first and 10 from the MSU 34. 
We'll complete the DJ for six, and then we find Rufus for 16, one of the better offensive plays we had during the third quarter. And at this point, I'm thinking, even if we have to punt, if we don't give up any more yardage, even if we don't gain anything, we can flip the field here. But, yeah, let's keep the drive going, right? First and ten, then, we'll give it to DJ, who runs for nine, and this is the first time late in this third quarter when I thought the Bulldog offensive line was getting the better of the Ole Miss offensive line. I thought they looked tired. Of course, the conditions were beginning to worsen. I thought the Bulldog offensive line began to exert themselves here late in the third quarter. All right, second one, we go back to DJ for 12. Then DJ up the middle for four. Now we're in the red zone. That runs out the third quarter. Feeling pretty good about life right now. I'm thinking if we ever get the lead, I feel like we can hold it. The drive continues second and six from their 19. We hit DJ for three, a three-yard loss, excuse me. Makes it third and nine. We burn, have to burn another timeout here. We can't get a play in. That's got to get fixed. That, you you want to hear me gripe about coaching? That's one of them. Well, there have been too many times this year, and I don't know who it's on. We're not getting a play in in time. We're having to burn a timeout to avoid a delay of the game. That, that can't happen. All right, third and nine. Will tucks it and runs for six. Down to the Ole Miss 16. We don't convert here and move the chains, but we get the field goal, and now all of a sudden State has the lead at 17-16. And it felt good. You look up, you're like, man, we have played so poorly. And we got the lead in the fourth quarter on the road at Oxford. Really? Really? Well, Raven comes through with a big touchback, too. And that's a, that's a tougher thing than people realize. Both kickers, both Cruz and Raven, late in this ballgame, having to kick off with wet turf, a wet football, and still managing to get that ball in the end zone. It says a lot about their talent. Bulldog defense still, I think Zach Arnett now kind of figured some things out. And it showed. All right, first and 10 here. They go, Quinchon Judkins, uh, complete to him across the middle. This was the, uh, this was the Wildcat series, right? Yeah. And then they end up getting a false start there and uh, backs him up. Second and eight. Darts back in the ballgame and he sacked for a 14-yard loss. Buki Watson, again, just being a burr in the Rebel saddle. Makes it third and 22, Dart decides to run, and it's a four-yard loss. Randy Charlton all in his face. It's credited as a run, a TFL rather than a sack because it was a design. I don't know if it was a design run play. I don't think it was on third and 22, but it was an attempt to run. So I believe that scored correctly. A 46-yard punt now from Frazier Mason. Fair caught it to 45, and you think, okay, let's go put this thing away right here. And we We did. It was a little drama late, but this is the big drive, right? You finally get the lead. You get the stop. You got to keep the momentum. We absolutely did. That's one thing that we have lacked in big games is when the game has been on the line to make that decisive fourth quarter drive. This is it. First and 10, Marks runs up the middle for three. And again, you know, that offensive, that Bulldog offensive line was whipping the Rebel defensive front late in this ballgame. Second and seven, we go back to Woody, who runs for nine. We're complete then across the middle to Jaden Wiley for eight. Makes it a second and two. We go back to Woody for one. Back to Woody for nine on third and one. Moves the chains. First and ten, we go back to DJ for a three-yard gain. Then no gain here. Third and seven, and you're thinking it's middle of the field. Let's take a shot here. And if we don't make it, we kick. It's, let's make a, we did a one-receiver route here, right? And they have a bust in coverage, and there's Ra-Ra who goes down with a cramp. Extra point is good. Now State is up eight, so Ole Miss at this point knows what they have to do. Not only do you have to score, you got to go for two. 
I even had some people texting me, Steve, do you go for two if we score here to make it a two-score game? No, you don't. You kick and make them have to go for two. And you'll find out why later. Ole Miss gets the ball here, and this is a pretty crazy sequence here. So it is a uh, – it's run to Judkins for a one-yard gain. They go to, to Dayton Wade for 10. It's first and 10 out to 36, and then there is the backward pass. Now I'm going to gripe about this for a little bit here. There is a reason you have a headlinesman out there. He immediately, immediately as the pass was thrown – signaled that it was a backwards pass. If you ever watch him on the sidelines, if it's four pass, they go left hand, backwards pass, they go right hand, right? And so that's what he did. He signaled it. And then there's all this. It was an inadvertent whistle. The inadvertent whistle was they didn't recognize the call. And so they go back, and all of a sudden here, they review it. Jonathan Mingo charged with a fumble. It was clearly a backwards pass. And people are like, oh, it's even with the line. And that's a backward pass. But it wasn't. It was thrown from the 30 back towards the 29, and he touched it around 29-and-a-half-yard line. The headlinesman got it right. They go back and review it. Absolutely correct. It was immediate recovery by Jad Johnson. You know, and that's the thing, too. In that situation there, I'd like to see us have a little more urgency because Jonathan Mingo quit on the play. Jed could have picked that thing up and run it back for a touchdown. And here you're thinking the kill shot is coming. They get the review right. We have it. Ole Miss is pouting. Their fans are throwing stuff on the field, showing their true colors. First and 10 from their 30, we give it to DJ, who runs at the middle for five. And, again, just whipping those guys up front. Second five, we give it to DJ. He gets loose, dives for the pylon. I thought he made it initially. Then when I saw that, I was like, ah, he looks like he's short. And right here I'm thinking, okay, first and goal at the one. Let's just run it three times. If we don't make it, we'll kick a field goal. This game is over. We give it to DJ, who gets nothing. And I did think the spot was bad, too. Like, he was out of bounds at, like, the two-inch line. But they back us all the way up to the one. So we get nothing on the first one. And then Will decides to pull it. And then he's out in the open field and gets hit and fumbles the ball forward. They recover. And then all of a sudden, drama unfolds. And, again, I'll say it. I love Will Rogers. I do. He has done an amazing thing. This was not his famous shining moment. Again, probably the worst game by a winning Bulldog quarterback in the Golden Egg, I know at least in my lifetime. It was terrible. He had a terrible game. And the defense bells us out again. Again, it's a team game, right? There's been some other games defense hadn't played well, and we'll just bell those guys out. But we're going to call it as we see it. And Will and everybody around Will will tell you the same. Will didn't have a good game. But you know what? Will rode home on the bus with the Golden Egg next to him too. All right, first and 10 from the Ole Miss one. They put together an impressive drive here. And, again, defense has been playing well all night. You're thinking, okay, we can get a stop here. Pretty crazy how this thing worked out, man, for sure. Ole Miss drive starts with under five minutes to go. They go to Judkins for nothing. And so now all of a sudden you start thinking, all right, maybe we can get them backed up here and get a punt. They're not going to go for it backed up on their own end. Second 10 from their one is complete to Dayton Wade for eight. Gives them a little more room to operate. Third and two, they find Jordan Watkins for five. First down. First and 10 at the 14. It's incomplete to Malik Heath, Jalen Green with a nice play to break it up. Second 10 from the Ole Miss 14. They're across the middle to Dayton Wade, who gets 11. And the first down. First and 10 from their 25, they hit Malik Heath. And now you're thinking, all right, here we go. 
here we go. Going to be some drama at Vault-Hemingway Stadium. Then there is the penalty for false start. Backs him up five. And there wasn't a lot of penalties called in this ballgame. I didn't think it was a terribly officiated game, to be quite honest with you. I thought they missed a bunch of holding calls on the Ole Miss offensive line, including one on Tyra Sweet in the end zone when it was 9-7. All right, for, uh, first and 15, they give it to Judkins for seven. A second and eight, Judkins runs to the middle for five, makes it a third and three. Jackson Dart then hit for a loss of four yards from Deshaun Page. Fourth and seven, they go for it. You're thinking, this is the ball game here. We bring the house, go zero coverage, and you got to give credit to Jordan Watkins. Jackson Dart with Jed Johnson in his face throws a great pass. And Jordan Watkins, with Jackie Matthews all over him, makes the play. Good ball placement, good execution. You tip your cap. Great, great effort there from Ole Miss to keep their drive alive. You know, if Jet's able to get over that cut block a little cleaner, it's a sack. If Jackie Matthews is able to get a hand in there, it's a PBU. And sometimes they just beat you. And on this play, Ole Miss beat us. First and 10 from our 44, Darkton runs right side for six and gets out of bounds, ushered out by Jet Johnson. Second four, Judkins then runs at the middle for a one-yard loss. Cam Young, he of the dubious penalty earlier, was big here down the stretch. Third and five, Jackson Dart is complete to Jonathan Mingo for four yards and runs out of bounds. The question that I ask is third and five. Why are you running that route a yard short of the sticks? Well, he did. You can't do that. You, you, you cannot do that. All right, fourth and one, they go for it, and Judkins gets loose for 12, and it's – Really wish – we were kind of selling out early on to, you know, thinking they were going to do the dive. They didn't. And he got us. And here you're thinking it's inevitable they're going to score, right? Well, they do. The very next play. Jackson Dart, we have a bust in coverage. I don't know if it was DCAM or Sean Preston. We didn't communicate there. Dayton Wade, wide open, into the end zone, 23 yards. And you know they got to go for two, which is why you don't go for two unless you have to. I know you're thinking if we get to it and make it a nine-point game, it's a dagger. That's, not, that's just not the smart football play. They have to go for two here, and I've I got a few things I want to say about this. You know, of course, they, they called timeout, saw how we lined up, called timeout again. And um, I don't know who the color commentator was. He was terrible. Doesn't know the rules of the game of football. Kept trying to defend all this stuff. And he's like, all these explanations, like they're having this conversation with himself, like they're watching a different game than the rest of us. You know here they're going to try to run something outside, right? That's what they did the time before, right? When they got in there tight, they ran outside and ran that uh, rollout pass uh, to Pegues. So you feel like they're going to try to get on the edge here, maybe give Dart the run pass option. But instead, they run this shovel pass that had absolutely no chance Zero chance. And this clown is like, oh, it's a great play call. There aren't any great play calls when the defender nearly intercepts a shovel pass. Are you kidding me? That's a good play call? Give me a break. Randy Charlton doesn't fall for the eye candy, recognizes what's happening, knifes inside, bats it down, and writes his name in egg bowl lore for all of history. The transfer from University of of Central Florida, comes in, makes the play to save the game for Mississippi State. And at that point, we all knew it wasn't over, right? (laughs) Right? We wanted it to be over. We're like, oh, we still got to fill this kick, and it's wet, it's sloppy, and the ball's slimy, and I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know what's going to happen. 
That's how we all felt, right? But instead, rather than wait for it to go 10 yards, as soon as we get a chance to jump on it, we do. We cover it. And from there, we kneel it out, and we are Egg Bowl champions. And I thought we managed the clock pretty well to make sure that we didn't have to, to get the ball back to them. There's no excuse for that anyway. I mean, you got to manage it well. But we had to kneel down three times, and I can only begin to imagine Will Rogers, a guy that loves this university, as poorly as he played. I'm sure that last kneel down felt awfully special to him. And, again, that's part of it. It's a team game. There are going to be some games when your star players don't play up to their potential, and this is one of them. All right, let's get inside the numbers here. The most important number is 24-22. That'll be on a T-shirt coming your way very, very soon. Uh, in the second half, again, we talked about how Ole Miss is a front-running team, that they need the big start. Because uh, to be honest with you, I don't think they do a good job adjusting in the second half. Everybody's like, oh, you did to make these adjustments. Go look at the second-half scoring. One of the worst second-half scoring teams in the Southeastern Conference. And stayed out, scores them in the second half, 10-6. So it's like, again, what we talked about, you got to survive the first quarter and be within striking distance at halftime, and you can get them. That's exactly what happened. The script never changed, ever. All right, inside the numbers here. I get excited about this, man. All right, team numbers first. State with 20 first downs, Ole Miss with just 19. Believe it or not, State with seven rushing first downs, Ole Miss with just five. And the reverse was true on passing. Ole Miss with 13 passing first down, State with 12, both with a penalty. State runs for 97 yards net. Ole Miss runs for 78. If I had told you that we would hold Ole Miss under 100 yards, you'd say, you mean Judkins? No, the entire team. The entire team, 78 yards. You talk about a good effort from Zach Arnett, put some respect on the man's name. And again, on passing, it's reverse. Will Rogers throws for 239, Jackson Dart for 257. And they had basically the same number of attempts. Rogers threw 40 times, Dart threw 39, including that shovel pass that was nearly picked. We always talk about average yards of, of attempt. Will was six, Dart was six and a half, or 6.6. Average depth of completion, Will Rogers better, 8.9, Dart 8.3. So a lot of anomalies in the numbers today. Total offense, State with 336. Ole Miss with 335. What, they have 700 yards of offense last week? Remember that? Everybody was so worried about that. We run 77 plays, they run 78. It's pretty crazy how even all of it was. I mean, it's, and it's reflective in the final score. State averaged 47.2 yards a punt, three inside the 20, two for 50-plus yards. And great job for George and Archer because I've been on them when they've done poorly. So we're going to credit them for when they played tonight, and we had to have every single yard. Nuts, man. All right, kickoffs. Pretty good here, 56.4. We did a pretty good job returning all this stuff and kind of covering things up. But uh, time of possession, State 32.22, and some of that's the final two minutes, right? Third down conversion, State was 8 of 16. It felt much worse than that. Ole Miss, 4 of 17. Third down conversion defense, red zone defense, those win you football games, and we won in every opportunity. Red zone chances, both of us were three of four. The difference is, is that Ole Miss had to settle for field goals, and State really didn't. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. State with two sacks, 21 yards. Ole Miss, four for 54. We made all the PATs, and again, special teams, outstanding. Outstanding, and that has been such a burr in the saddle all year long. 
All right, uh, let's get inside the individual numbers here. Uh, Woody Marks, 14 carries for 76 yards. I can only begin to imagine if he'd been healthy on a dry track, right? Dylan Johnson, 12 for 73. And then Will Rogers, because of those sacks, 8 for a negative 37. So the running backs themselves run for, what, 150 yards. Judkins, as good as he is, 91 yards. 22 carries for 91 yards. And if I told you beginning of the year that's what would it be, or beginning of the week, you'd say, great. Zach Evans, five carries for zero yards. Jackson Dart, 10 carries for negative four yards. Jonathan Mingo, two carries, including the lateral, the backwards pass, minus nine. So there's a team, 78 yards. What an amazing job by the Bulldog defense. Dylan Johnson with eight, carry, eight catches tonight to lead the team at 46. Jaden Wiley, five for 43. Rufus, five for 43. Tulu with two for 39, including the touchdown. Rara, two for 27 and a touchdown. Caleb Ducking, two for 17. Justin Robinson, just a one for 11. And Woody, one for seven. Austin Williams, one for six. Uh, Jonathan Mingo had, uh, let's see here, what did he have? Let me look here. Johnny, Johnny Mingo, what would you have? Yeah, seven for 40. Seven for 40, and a couple of them were impactful earlier. That was a key part of this ballgame, was being able to control Heat and Malik Heath. Malik, both of them had some big plays early, but not so much. I mean, you look at it and you think, you know what, these guys are great. And they're, they're good players. They are. But they didn't show it tonight. They were just decent. All right, look at defensive numbers for State. And you know with the running team here, we're going to rack up a ton of tackles. DeCam leads the team. He's tied with Nate Watson and Jet Johnson with 10. Ten tackles. Emmanuel Forbes had nine. We talked about that on the jeanspage.com message boards this week. You could state defend the edges against that Ole Miss running game that likes to get wide. And when you have 19 tackles between your starting two corners, yes, you have defended the edges. Colin Duncan with eight. I thought Colin had a really good ball game. Jalen Green with six. Ty Wheat with six. Very impactful. It seemed like he was an emotional leader tonight. Jackie Matthews, four. Deshaun Page, who came in and, uh, and played really well in reserve with four. And Randy Charlton with three. Jaden Crumberty with three. If we can go a little bit deeper than that, we won't. Uh, TFLs, this is one of those things you look at here. I think, I think the number that I saw was 15. Buki with two and a half. Ty with two and a half. That gives you five. Charlton with one and a half. Crumberty with one and a half. That's three to make it a total of eight. Page makes it nine. Jed Johnson makes it 10. Jalen Green makes it 11. Matthews makes it 12. Cameron Young makes it 13, and then two more split among four players. So 15 tackles for loss against a team like Ole Miss that wants to reestablish a line of scrimmage and get behind that big offensive line and dictate terms to you. Tonight, it was the Bulldog defense dictating terms to Ole Miss, one of the most prolific running games in the country. Pass breakups, Jalen Green with three. Good, good ball game for him. Quarterback Curry's, I don't think these are properly credited. I think it's one of those ridiculous stats that's kept different somewhere else. Cam Young credited with two. Ty Wheat with one. Randy with one. Uh, Ty that had more than that. Uh, but, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's like you look all the way through it, it's been an even ball game, and it's, it's pretty crazy to think about. And I talked about this on this show, and, yeah, I'm going to gloat a little bit. I am because I was right. I told you guys about a month ago, don't be surprised if State and Ole Miss have the same record at the end of the year. And some of you have even tweeted at me and texted me about that. Yes, because I think there were, there were, Ole Miss was fool's gold this year. And they're a good team. They're not an elite team. I like the run game. I like how physical they are on defense. 
I don't think their team is going to beat you down the field. I don't think this wide receiver core is nearly as good as they've been hyped to be. And there's no depth in the wide receiver core whatsoever. And so, yeah, when, you, when you're beating up on Central Arkansas and Troy and, you know, a Georgia Tech team that's ready to make a coaching change, yeah, you look great. But what do you do in, in the SEC? And you end up the year losing four of the last five? And then you want to go out here and raise all this money for NIL, make all these commitments, not pay, just commitments. You're like, oh, yeah, we're a big-time program. Guys, you're a top-ten team. It's kind of like those, those basketball teams in the league that, you know, they, they run through the non-conference schedule and beat everybody up, and it's like, hey, we're going to be great, and they get an SEC play, and they end up like 500. Ole Miss, a good team, not elite, and in the end ends up behind Mississippi State in the standings yet again. Again, Junior Ray, again. I haven't done the numbers on it in a long time, but more times than not, I think in the last dozen to 15 years, State has finished ahead of Ole Miss in the standings. Again. Now, won't matter next year because the SEC media is going to be like, well, you know, there's this and there's that. You know, Nobody does their homework. So you take all that. Well, that's pre, what, what we picked, sixth in the West this year? Sixth. We finished third. And there are a lot of our own fans, too. Hated on our own team. Hated on our coaches. Hated on our quarterback. Can we be better? Absolutely. And Will Rogers will tell you the same. And Will Rogers is our quarterback. And, yeah, Will probably needs to be pushed next year. Does that mean you bring in a transfer? I don't think you get scholarship a guy, but I think, yeah, you bring in somebody and you bring in some competition. Is Sawyer Robertson ready to take a jump next year? I mean, Will needs some competition. Competition makes everybody better. And as good as Will has been for three years, I don't think he should enter the spring feeling like he didn't have anything to prove. He does. He can get better. And I think this game will be a motivating factor for him. It's always great to win when you don't play your best game. And that's the thing that I think about. If we play clean in this ballgame, my goodness, we blow these guys out in their own backyard. Have you forgotten the numbers? I mean, honestly, I mean, you start looking at these turnovers and stuff, and these turnovers uh, in the blindside block, again, just, there's so many things that happen, and you lose the turnover battle as bad as we did, and you still win the game. It's, it's insanity, and it couldn't happen to a better bunch. It's crazy. We gave them the football at advantageous field position over and over and over again, and our defense stood tall and won the football game. So Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl champions, and now if you can get a little help from Clemson, maybe them not taking care of South Carolina and you need Tennessee to beat Vanderbilt, could be headed to Orlando for the Citrus Bowl. How about that? Did you see that coming a month ago? I remember we first started talking about it on the show that, hey, you know, if things fall just right, the way some teams are beating each other up, we got a chance to get in the Florida Bowl game. we got a chance to be in the Florida Bowl game that's not included in New Year's Six for the first time in school history. How amazing would that be? All right, time for today's top 10 list, and it is a special one to me. How about that? It's a special one. Brought to you by our friend Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. This is a guy, too. Listen, here's the deal. You're looking to get a loan close. You're looking to buy a home. Go with a winner. Go with Blair Chandler. This is a guy that's seen it all and done it all. 
And that's the focus right now, right, is getting people into their homes before Christmas. Wouldn't it be great to enjoy a Christmas in your brand new home with your family? How amazing would that be? Blair can make that dream a reality. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. I have seen Blair close loans in less than 10 days. Yeah, you got your stuff together and he can help you get it together, help you get pre-qualified. You go and buy a house, boom. We go from selecting the house, making the down payment, to the closing table. Blair Chandler, closeblair.com. All right. You may not know this to look at me, but uh, I married a really, really grand gal. Uh, Dana is her name, and I love her with everything that I have. And so I have missed her terribly the last couple of weeks. She is... Uh, Working out in New Mexico. Matter of fact, I'm leaving tomorrow to go be with her for a while. And I'm really excited about that. I, I, I've considered leaving right now. I mean, honestly, if she wasn't working tomorrow night, I would, have, I would already be on the road. But I'm enjoying my time with you guys here. But uh, I am going to do this top ten list dedicated to her. And these are some songs that have been important in our relationship together. Right? Songs that many of them came out while we were dating. Songs that mean an awful lot to both of us. All right, number 10 is the Papa Roach song, Gravity. Now, I have Gravity tattooed on my right wrist, on my inner wrist. And uh, my wife is not one that gets to be very, I don't know, melancholy or emotional. You know, she's, uh, she's kind of a, a trail runner, kind of got alligator skin at times. You know, she just doesn't, she just never gets real emotional. And one day we're out shooting pool, just me and her at a local watering hole, and the song Gravity from Papa Roach come out. It hadn't been out very long. It's got Maria Brink from uh, In This Moment singing the uh, female part of the duet. And she turned to me and she said, Babe, she said, you're like my gravity. Whenever I get ready to float away, you always keep me grounded. The very next day I went out and got gravity tattooed on my wrist for that moment because it meant so much to me. And then eventually she got the same tattoo on her ankle. So it's kind of like, you know, where I would hold her to keep her from floating away. So Gravity from Papa Roach, number 10 on your top 10 list today. Number nine, we're going to stick with Papa Roach. Years ago, we had a little bit of a rough patch. And my wife has said from the very beginning, when we first started dating, she said, breaking up will never be an option for us. Whatever happens, we'll work through it. And we were having a tough time. And the song, No Matter What, from Papa Roach came out. And it meant a lot to me, so I shared it with her, and it became kind of anthemic for us. So anytime something came up, I'd say, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, we're going to stay together. And we have. Hadn't always been easy. I can promise you that. Number eight. This actually came out before we started dating, but I met my wife at an AA meeting, believe it or not. It's true. And uh, I'm still clean and sober, and uh, I don't think she's an alcoholic, to be quite honest with you, but... Um, it's the great track, She Talks to Angels, number eight, because you know, she never mentions addiction in certain company. All right, number seven, and this is one she picked, and it predates our relationship, and uh, it is kind of a legendary love song. It's Journey's Open Arms, number seven. Number six, uh, we renewed our vows several years ago, and my kid, my oldest kid, Ani, played guitar, and the kids sang uh, No Rain from Blind Melon and uh, sang Home from Chris Daughtry. It was a really, really nice service. A lot of our friends came. And uh, when my wife turned 40, I think she thought I was going to trade her in on a younger model, which wasn't true. 
because my heart belongs to one woman, and that's her. But um, I did a video called The Story of Us and took all these pictures when we were dating and our kids, like the ultrasounds and things like that, and uh, I set it to music to the Firehouse classic, I Live My Life for You. Firehouse always good for a great power ballad, aren't they? All right, number five. One of the songs my wife thinks is one of the greatest love songs of all time. It's Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton. Number five, Eric Clapton's Wonderful Tonight. And I think there's one of those things, too, that uh, when you've been with somebody for a long time, sometimes you kind of get caught going through the motions. And how many times does your wife or your significant other, you know, come downstairs for a dinner date or something like that, and you look at them and you think, wow, that happens to me regularly. My wife is a trail runner, as I told you guys, and she's a nurse, and so she, she doesn't always get dolled up. But when she does... She just but always takes my breath away. Number four, the song, this is one that my wife thinks is the greatest love song of all time. And I was not a big fan of this song initially. It's an old classic love song. And she said, I think this is the best love song of all time. And because of the fact it talks about kind of being in recovery, it kind of applied to us. But it's the Climax Blues Band's great song, I Love You, covered by Tesla. They do an amazing rendition of it. But we're going to go with the original. Climax Blues Band's I Love You. Number three, that's, that day we did the renewal service, your good friend and host grabbed a mic too. And I sang a Tesla standard that has always been very important to us. Matter of fact, I listened to it here a few days ago. It's what you give from Tesla. It ain't the life you choose, but the life you live. I love that song. I've met Jeff Keith. I've told him what that means to me and my wife. And uh, it's always important to, I've, I meet a lot of rock stars. I do. I don't say that to name drop or anything, but it is very important to me to be able to tell these individuals, thank you, that your work is valuable to other people. Number two, and this is true, and this came out when we were both in high school, but, um, you know, we started dating, I kind of kicked it up again. It's Bon Jovi's Born to Be My Baby, because I've always, I, I don't call her by her name. It has been baby for 30 years now. Baby, what are you doing? Baby, what do you want to eat? Baby, you ready to go to bed? Baby, you want to go out this weekend? You know, it, that's just me. It's the pet name for me. I always call her baby because she was born to be my baby. Number one. So right after we first started dating, we, were, we saw each other like every day. Like we went on our first date and we were together like every day for like two weeks. And she needed to go home to Natchez and see her family. And I wanted to go so bad. And uh, I remember we were in Hattiesburg and she's like, hey, I got to go to Natchez. And I said, I want to go with you. I don't want to break our streak. She goes, you already want to meet my parents? I said, I do. I, I want to go meet your parents. I know where this is going. I said, the sooner the better. And so we went. We went to Natchez and uh, her sister's car. She had some an, an audio system in there. It was kind of like a big thing back in the day. And so we were riding around. And uh, her dad used to work at an international paper at the IP mill. And so we went through the car wash at the IP mill. Like she was just showing me around Natchez. I'd, I'd never had a tour of Natchez, Mississippi. And right when we get ready to go to the car wash, I happen to have Firehouse's Hold Your Fire album with me, which is absolutely fabulous. A lot of people prefer the first album. I, I have all the Firehouse albums, I'll admit it. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. But my favorite album is Hold Your Fire. And I told her, I said, this is my, when I hear this song, I always think about you. And I was nervous to put it in. Right? I was nervous to, like, to let us to play it. You know, because you never know. It's like you think you know, but you don't know. And I played it. And it meant a lot to her. As a matter of fact, I sent it to her tonight because I'm leaving tomorrow to go to New Mexico. And I don't know how long I'll be out there, but I'm going to be working remotely from out there for a little while. 
football season's over for a stretch. I'm going to go reconnect with my wife for a little while because I have been absolutely miserable without her. But it's the track when I look into your eyes. And it still rings true today. She absolutely blows me away. Even though we have been together, we got married May of 93. And I can remember all the dates, too. I met her July 10th, 1992. Our first date was August 10th, 1992. I asked her to marry me at a surprise birthday party that I planned October 7th of 92. We were married May of 93. So in less than a year's time, she went from being a complete stranger to being on my joint checking account. How about that? And sharing my last name. And uh, yeah, it's been a lot more better than worse, man. It has. But listen, not, not, not every year is great when you stay together as long as we have. But again, we go back to that commitment we made. Breaking up is just not an option. And so I am looking forward to that. It has been one of those things, too. I, I hate to be one of those people that blame this, but it has really wrecked my mental health in many respects, being away from her for this long. It's like I, I've told her I don't think I could ever be divorced. I mean, I, I absolutely couldn't. I know a lot of times, like you think, Oh, I'm so tired of all this. You know, it's also routine. And maybe you go through a midlife crisis or whatever. And I tell people, if I'm having a midlife crisis, I'm going to live forever. because This is who I've always been. I just didn't always have the hair to show it. But, uh, but anyway, I'm looking forward to going out there being with her. And so I'll record Monday show from Albuquerque, New Mexico. We did an Albuquerque, New Mexico show uh, to preview the Arizona game. I'll be back out there with her. And uh, we're going to go out and have some fun. We're going to go to Santa Fe. And you never know, I may go to Vegas. I never, you never know. You never know what I'm going to do. I am a riddle wrapped inside an enigma. You just never know what I'm going to do. I might go up to Colorado and go see Doc Holliday's grave. I, I enjoy going to do that, paying respects to the old cowboys and musicians and people that I admire and respect. But we're going to go have a, a blast. I mean, really the only plan that we have is I'm going to get there, and uh, I've already got her Christmas stuff, and she's going to open her Christmas stuff, and I'm going to take her to dinner. Monday night and Tuesday, we're going to go have a spa day. And and your good friend and host is just going to relax and enjoy being in love. And my hope is that you feel in your heart what I feel in my heart for her. So thank you, baby, for loving me. And this list is for you. And I've already sent her the list and she approved. So we'll put this playlist together and we'll enjoy it. All right, time for the next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Be sure and check them out next time you're in town. It'll have to be basketball season. But uh, many of you in the Golden Triangle area are looking for places to shop as you fill out your Christmas list. Go to Campus Bookmark. Go see their smiling faces. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Excuse me, over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. We had to change it. Shipping costs gone up. So any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Buy yourself something too. Don't just buy for everybody else. And I, and I love the joy of giving. I, I, I tell you, especially my kids and my wife, man, nothing makes me happier than to be able to give them things. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want anything. I, I don't. I, I want the smiles. I want the thank yous. You know, I, I want those moments where my kids say, Daddy, this was the best Christmas ever. That kind of stuff really matters to me. It really does. All right, let's take a look at the SEC weekend. And the weekend's already underway. It's rivalry week in the Southeastern Conference began Thanksgiving night as your Bulldogs defeat the Ole Miss Rebels 24-22. Pretty impressive, right? Wouldn't have mattered what it was. Arkansas is at Missouri. That is the 2.30 game on Friday. That's the Black Friday game. And we're going to have two SEC teams in action on Friday. So I'll get to listen to those as I'm driving to New Mexico. 
kind of makes kind of takes your mind off the drive, you know, and you can just kind of engage in a ball game. Arkansas is at Missouri. Listen, I think Missouri's going to win this game. And I thought that for a few weeks, and you guys maybe on the show have listened. It's not that Arkansas is not capable. I just think Missouri at home, and as well as they've played defensively this year, I think they'll have a plan. I won't be the least bit surprised to see Arkansas win, but I think Missouri, with what they have on the line, Arkansas is already bowl eligible. And I don't when, when you've been under the gun like Arkansas's been the last month, you finally get over the hump. There is always a reason to exhale. And I think that'll be the case. I think Arkansas comes out a little bit flat. Maybe I'm wrong. I think Missouri wins the game. The primetime game on ABC is Florida at Florida State. Now, Florida has had some good moments this year, and they've had some stinker moments too, like losing to Vanderbilt. Florida State, a lot of people thought Mike Norvell was coaching for his job this year, and I was one of them. I thought, this is it. Now you look up there 16th in the country. Got an outside shot to make a New Year's Six Bowl if the traffic clears just right. So they appear to be on the right track, and I think they win this ballgame too, which would make Florida 6-6. Six and six. A couple weeks ago I said, hey, you know, Florida could be that team to knock us out of contention for the Citrus Bowl. And we're going to talk about that more next week once we get through uh, the regular season games kind of where things stand in the bowl pecking order. But now State, with the win tonight, is assured to finish ahead of Florida in the SEC pecking order. So but we're going to go with Florida State as the winners. Georgia Tech is at Georgia. I do not give Georgia Tech any chance at all to keep this game close. I do think Georgia will probably call off the dogs late because they got to play again next week in the SEC championship game. So I don't think they'll go out there and fully exert themselves late in that fourth quarter. I think the game will be in hand by then. South Carolina is at Clemson. This is a big game if you are a Mississippi State fan because you need Clemson to beat South Carolina. Because if we end the year with the same record as South Carolina, I think South Carolina gets the bid for the Citrus. That's part of the deal. And and listen, I I think the highs this year have been much higher for South Carolina. I think when it's all said and done, Mississippi State will not have beaten a a team that finishes in the top 25 because Ole Miss will certainly drop out this week. Uh, ranked 20 at this week, they'll drop out. And if we should possibly move up ahead of them, how cool would that be? But South Carolina at Clemson, we need Clemson to win this game. And you need Tennessee to win too. But you need Clemson to win this game. That means that State is the only 8-4 and four team in the league and also means that we're probably the highest rated pool of six team. So everybody else above us will be in the New Year's Six or the playoff. Does that make sense? So your rooting interest here is Clemson. Louisville is at Kentucky. I like this Louisville team. They have been trending the last couple of weeks. And Kentucky, you know, I, I just don't think you can put any confidence behind Will Levis's name. I know it's a home game. I know it's senior day. I know emotions will run high. But at some point, you got to snap the football. And you got to go execute a play. And the guy has not lived up to his billing. And, when, and you would say potential. I just don't know that I, I share the opinion that he has the potential that many other people do. He's a big guy with a lot of arm talent. His decision-making is terrible. And I think this Louisville offense is going to go into Kentucky and win this football game. Auburn is Alabama, and Auburn's been a great story under Cadillac Williams. They have been. I love what's happened. And, again, that makes that Bulldog win over Auburn look even better because they have won every game since then. I am expecting a very competitive Iron Bowl, the 230 CBS game, this Saturday, and I'll be able to watch that for New Mexico. I'm excited about that, too. I'll be able to sit there and watch all the games Saturday and enjoy college football uh, with my lovely wife. Thank, finally, 
But Auburn is at Alabama. I think this is a ball game for probably three quarters. I think Auburn will come out with their hair on fire and play hard for Cadillac Wiggins. But I think in the end, Alabama is just too talented and too much at stake for them. Not to say that Auburn won't make a ball game. They may get in as an APR uh, entrant. LSU is at A&M. Does anybody give A&M a chance to win this game? I mean, honestly, I, I don't. And I think that LSU defensive front is going to feast on A&M. I really do. I think this LSU team is turned in the right direction. They're currently five in the playoff. They're going to lose to Georgia. But if things go crazy, they could hang in there. It's going to be tough to make the playoff, but they'll certainly be a New Year's Six Bowl team because um, you know, I guess if they lose to A&M and lose to Georgia, they would drop out of the New Year's Six. So, you know, your rooting interest here is LSU. But A&M can't score. LSU can. And LSU runs the football and they shorten the game on you and they're so explosive – I like LSU to win. I like LSU to win big. Tennessee at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's been a great story the last couple weeks. They beat Kentucky on the road. They host Florida and beat them. I think Vandy will come out and compete for a while. I just don't think they have the dudes. Tennessee more talented than Florida. Tennessee more talented than Kentucky. Hendon Hooker is out, sadly. I think Milton and those guys are still good enough to go in here and get a W and probably cover that spread. So your winners this week, Mississippi State, Missouri, Florida State, Georgia, Clemson, Louisville, Alabama, LSU, and Tennessee. So visiting teams will probably have a pretty good weekend uh, as far as the ranked teams go. I think all of the ranked road teams win. And I think all the ranked home teams win, with the exception of the University of Mississippi. And how fun is that to say? (laughs) it's great. I love it. I absolutely love it. And you should too. And if you're listening to this show and you root for another team, uh, you may not like it, but you're going to learn to live with it because Mississippi State's going to be a better team than Ole Miss next year too, right? This was the year, right? You had the big year last year when you had 37 seniors or whatever it was. And you you had a great regular season. You did. You got embarrassed in the ballgame, but you you had a great regular season. And this year we're trending – in opposite directions. And, again, Mississippi State is going to be a better team than Ole Miss last year. You can clip it. Whatever you want to do, you can throw it back in my face. Not only will State finish ahead of, of Ole Miss in the standings this year, we'll do it again next year. And I'm, I'm tired of hearing about all this hype. Stop. Stop it. At some point, you got to go win a football game. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. You know Portico. I've told you guys before. I would, uh, If I was moving to Starkville, I'd move to Portico. To be that close to campus, but also to kind of nestled in a little neighborhood there. So you're on the quiet side of campus, so you're there close enough for convenience and far enough away to have a little privacy. Portico is the way to go. Brooks Bryan is my friend, your friend, Mississippi State's friend, a diamond dog, went to two Omaha trips uh, with Mississippi State baseball, part of a great group of developers, bringing this wonderful neighborhood to Starkville. Very easy to get to, turn off 82 on the 12, the very first ride is Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop, Portico's right there on the right. Go check it out today. Give yourself a self-guided tour. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home and go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and it's not a cookie-cutter deal. If you want to say, hey, I need this, I need that, I need this room to be a little bit bigger, I'd like this, they can accommodate you. They've got their own group of builders, and they can put together some plans that fit uh, all of your requirements for your new home. I encourage you, whether it be your ballgame weekend retreat, your second home, your primary residence, your retirement home, Portico has a plan for you. Make Portico your next move. 
All right, let's talk about what it all means. You know, the first way we talk about is in-state recruiting. Like, you want to be the cool school. And listen, it was not an impressive victory. It was not. It's not like we went up there and we ran our offense to its maximum proficiency and just went all over them. We didn't. The conditions had something to do with that. But also give Ole Miss some credit defensively. They gave us some issues. And then our quarterback, I don't know if it's nerves or or pride or whatever, but uh, just didn't play well. I'm not going to keep belaboring the point because, again, I'm, I'm a Will Rogers fan. And I get a little tired of people talking so negatively about him, but I'm going to call it like it is. He didn't play well. But the reality of it is, is we won the game. The egg is back in Starkville. And for 365 days, we're going to hang on to it. They'll probably bring it by some of your homes. They'll be at alumni functions. You can get your, your picture made with it. It's one of the great trophies, one of the best traveling trophies in college football. And in Mississippi State, too, on a national audience went on the road and beat a ranked opponent, a ranked Ole Miss team that was fighting to get to a New Year's Six Bowl. And, of course, they get shelled last week. Uh, and so it was an outside shot. But uh, now, you know, Ole Miss will end up probably, I would say maybe the Gator Bowl or something like that, maybe the Outback, maybe. They'll get a Florida Bowl game, and they deserve one. They do. They're a good team. They're just not as good as Mississippi State, as the scoreboard and the standings show. That's important to understand. And while we're talking about those standings, let's take a quick look kind of how things look right now for the pecking order. All right, so the West is, is decided, obviously. You know, LSU wins the West. Alabama is second, a game back. And then there's Ole Miss and Mississippi State. But by virtue of the tiebreaker, Mississippi State finishes third. Arkansas could pull into a tie with Ole Miss and Mississippi State by winning tomorrow. But because Mississippi State beat Arkansas, again, State is your third-place finisher. Auburn, 2-5. and five. We don't expect them to win tomorrow. That would make them 2-6. and six. And then A&M, we don't expect them to beat LSU. So they're going to finish dead last. The only chance that A&M has to climb out of dead last is to win and then hope that Auburn loses. And then there would be a two-way tie for sixth. Right? All right, look at the East. Georgia, of course, is one. Tennessee is five and two. Georgia's done playing conference games. Tennessee, win or lose, will be your second-place finisher. They could have a 10-win regular season, though. What a great season for Josh Heupel and them. South Carolina's four and four, and they have a non-conference game tomorrow, so they cannot improve or worsen their standing. Seven and four, and they have clinched third place in the SEC East. Kentucky down with conference games, of course. They finished three and five. Florida down with conference games. They're three and five. Missouri, of course, could move into a three-way tie with a win over Arkansas, as could Vanderbilt. Pretty crazy how it all works out. You know, you could have four teams that are three and five. We don't expect that because we don't think Vandy can beat, uh, beat Tennessee. But a lot more parity in the East this year. And I, think I give South Carolina a lot of credit for that. And then here, as of late, Vanderbilt. But, uh, again, we talked about you know, being an 8-4 and four team. As it stands right now, there are only four teams in the Southeastern Conference with a better record than Mississippi State. Georgia at 11-0, Tennessee at 9-2, and two, and LSU and Alabama at 9-2. and two. So we're not going to catch any of those, but you're going to finish the year with the fifth best record in the 14-team league, the most difficult conference in all of college football, and your Bulldogs finish fifth. Now, I say that, it's important to understand. What are our expectations here? All right, we want to go compete for championships. We all talk about that. But the reality of it is the stars are going to have to kind of align for us. 
and Mike Leach is going to have to have, you know, an offense and a quarterback that um, it may be transcendent, right? And, and maybe that's not Will Rogers. It's not to say he's not doing a good job, but maybe he's not the guy that gets us there. But he may be the guy that does enough to help us recruit the guy that gets us there. Maybe that's Chris Parson, right? Maybe. We'll see how things progress. But the reality of it is, is all things considered – at the beginning of the year, if we just said, you know what, we're going to go 8-4, and four, get the bowl back, get the, the egg back, end up in a Florida Bowl, possibly a citrus, and finish with the fifth-best record in the Southeastern Conference, you would take that all day long. Well, now that we have it, let's all take a deep breath, right? Win or lose the bowl game, this has been a successful season for Mike Leach. You went 7-5 and five last year. We took a solid step forward, and according to many, we had the most difficult schedule in America. Should we have beaten LSU? Yeah, we should have. We absolutely should have. And had we beaten them, you probably pushed Alabama, you know, to, uh, to Atlanta. But you could have beaten Kentucky. And I, I still contend to you Kentucky beat us that night. And if we have Jaden Crumity, maybe it's a different day-to-day. But injuries are part of the game. A lack of execution is part of the game. So am I happy? No. Am I pleased? Yes. I am pleased with the season. Now I want to go win the bowl game. You end up nine wins, considering what we were up against. I think it says a lot about our coaching staff. I want to also uh, thank our friend Matt Dudek, one of the staffers, um, wore a Stark Villains hoodie at the ball game tonight. And uh, that picture's kind of making the rounds. They're smoking cigars in the, uh, in the locker room. And I want to thank Matt personally. I've done it on, on, uh, by text, but I want to say it here, too, to give him credit for wearing the Stark Villains hoodie. And you can get yours at StarkVillains.com. But it's been a special night, and I got a FaceTime from the locker room. I, I, I didn't make the game. Yeah, I told you guys I've had a difficult couple weeks, and I spent the, the holiday with my family and watched the ball game with my kids. And uh, it was great. It was great. If I couldn't be there, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than with them. And I wish my entire family could have been together, you know, my wife and everybody. And, and we text throughout the ball game, and she wanted to be here. But, uh, you know, duty calls, and that's something we got to figure out. But uh, the reality of it is, is I'm happy tonight that we have the egg back in our possession. And it's not just because we beat Ole Miss. We beat a good Ole Miss team. They weren't great. They're a good team. They're a good team. And Lane Kiffin's a good coach. He really is. And a better coach than maybe I gave him credit for. And so, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and diminish the team and diminish the coaching staff just because we defeated them. That's what the rest of the SEC media is supposed to do. And there are a lot of people that are all over Lane Kiffin. And I I said this other day about how tacky it was for him to complain about the facility. It's tacky, man. It is. And then he jumps out there and jumps all over John Sokoloff and basically blames John for them losing the game. It's unprofessional, man. It is. And while he is a good football coach, I don't know what kind of person he is. Not that he cares about my opinion, but the way that he has handled himself this week, I would think long and hard about that guy if I'm John Cohen. Long and hard. And I understand, yeah, it's about winning football games. There's a lot of people that can win games. But if I got a guy that's going to you know, degrade our facilities at a media event and then get on Twitter – and argue back and forth. And to give John Sokoloff credit, John did not respond that I saw. But then to go to the trouble of printing the thing out and breaking news, John Sokoloff, 
You want to talk about it? We talked about last week how Arkansas beat a very distracted Ole Miss team. And then their coach goes and distracts them again this week. He could have very easily just come out and said he was staying. But, he, you know, business is business. I understand how life is done. But you don't go get on social media and attack people in the media the way that that guy did. It was tacky. It was unprofessional. It's unbecoming. And I think the SEC office and Keith Carter should probably step in here and have a discussion with him. I mean, what can they do to him? The guy's a millionaire. But my point is Lane Kiffin embarrassed himself this week. He let his team down this week, and Mississippi State took full advantage. So I know there are a lot of Ole Miss people that listen to this show You know, after we win because you want to be angry at me. I'm angry for you, too. I'm happy that we won, but I'm angry that your coach has let you down this week. And not just because of the ball game. That's part of competition, right? But the way that he has handled himself this week, I think is an embarrassment. And I think is – don't get me defending Ole Miss people, but the Ole Miss people deserve better than to have their coach out there arguing on Twitter and trying to dunk on John Sokoloff and then to show up in a post game where he got out coached and blame it on John Sokoloff. I think it's a joke. And I think somebody in the that administration should step in there and somebody owes John Sokoloff an apology. It's absolutely a joke. I, that, you want to know why I wish I would have been there? I would have loved to have been there for that because I would have asked him, well, Coach, your team clearly was distracted. I mean, Mississippi State defense played a lot better than your offense that your offense did, the one that you called and designed everything else that you did. You guys have gotten all this hype for this year. And your freshman All-American running back was held under 100 yards. Your team was held to 78 yards. Your team. Your team that you failed, right, because you wanted to get out there on Twitter and get some internet cred. It's a joke, man. It is an absolute joke. And I am so glad that Mike Leach, after a difficult stretch that he's had, now has possession of the golden egg. Mike Leach defeats Lane Kiffin tonight. And Mississippi State fans will go to bed happy. They'll go to work happy. And I suspect that happiness will last for at least another year. But I suspect next year that Mike Leach will be hoisting the Golden Egg Trophy again because, as I said, Mississippi State will be a better football team than Ole Miss next year as well, no matter who coaches them. And quite frankly, I don't care where he goes. I don't care if he goes to Auburn or Jackson State or Bug Tussle Tech. Whoever hires him and is willing to pay him and let him act that way deserves whatever they get. All right, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can get all my sports books there. You can get Dogpile, you get Stark Villains, you get Alpha Dogs. You can get them signed and personalized. Still got plenty of time to get them for Christmas, but I would not delay. Against Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, both selling really well. They will not be in print in 2023. So if you want them, get them now. Plenty of Dogpile, and we still, we still got some inventory on Flim Flam, though it has sold really well this holiday season. And if you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find it at Amazon.com, BarnesNoble.com, BooksAmigan.com, and, of course, Stark Villains gear, now officially endorsed by Matt Dudek at StarkVillains.com. Listen, come join the party over at jeanspage.com. We love having you guys there with the Black Friday special, 75% off an annual subscription. Uh, come by, check it out. You'll be glad you did. It's going to be a lot more fun these days. We've all kind of been at odds here because we were so much angst and anxiety about the Egg Bowl. It's like, man, we can't lose this game. We can't lose. Now that we've won it, I think now maybe everybody can kind of take a deep breath. Now we can relax a little bit because I, I think we all agreed 7-5 and five this year despite the challenging schedule. 
would not have been satisfactory. Not that Mike Leach is going to get fired. Not that Mike Leach was going to be publicly scourged or anything like that. But we would basically be dead in the water. And if we lost this game tonight, that's how I would have felt. I would have felt like, you know what, we missed an opportunity to take a step forward as a program. And there were a lot of people that said Mississippi State could be a better team this year and have the same record. I just never subscribed to that ideology. I said, you know what, we're good enough to go beat Ole Miss. We should have beat them last year. And they were a great team last year, and we still should have won the game. So it's about us. And we didn't execute tonight in every phase of the game. But defense and special teams carried it, and we got just enough offense to win. And again, tip of the cap to our good friend, Randy Charlton, that didn't fall for the eye candy. Flex is inside, bats the ball down, and State wins. What an amazing job tonight by everybody wearing maroon and white. Mississippi State fans, I absolutely love each and every one of you, whether we agree or not, whether you bought my books or not, whether you subscribe to my website or not. Tonight is your night. You enjoy it. You wear that maroon to work on Friday, and you wear it with pride. You should always wear it with pride, but maybe you poke your chest out a little bit farther today because Mississippi State, the 2022 Egg Bowl champions, and headed to a great Florida Bowl game. Uh, be looking for ticket information in the days to come if you can get there, if at all possible. I encourage you to pack the car, bring the kids, go make some memories. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.